Good morning. How are we doing? We doing okay? That's kind of loud. I'm sorry. Great. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm excited. I was so thrilled. I was uh, practicing actually back in one of the Sunday school rooms. I was really getting into it. I wanted to be passionate and animated. All of a sudden, uh, the Yonces jump in on me and I'm like mid, like, you know, I'm doing this. It's kind of awkward already because I'm by myself in a room talking to myself and they jump in and it's like, oh, hey guys. So that was good practice though. And thanks. Now I'm not nervous anymore. So that's good. Uh, I am thrilled to be here this morning. We're going to be talking about John 15, one of my very favorite passages. And it's a, a statement that Jesus makes where he says, I am the true vine. And we only have a short time this morning. Um, and so we want to uh, move quickly. Uh, and so as we move quickly, there is a possibility of your head to start to spin. And that is a good thing because there's going to be a lot of information that we're going to cover. And uh, the good thing is, is that later... When you go back home, I want you to take that spinning head that hopefully is from the Spirit as the Word of God is preached to you, and I want you to look for yourself. I don't want you to take me at my word. I want you to go back and I want you to research. What am I saying? Is is what Benji's saying true? Because we have to become a church that doesn't just take things just at hand. We need to go back and we need to be digging into God's Word. And so if your head is spinning, you have an opportunity to go back and to dig into God's word later today and see, is the things that Benji said about who we are in Christ true? And you'll have lots of opportunity to see and to let uh, the spirit of Christ speak into you and to confirm and to assure and to take hold of you. And that's what I'm praying for this morning. And that's why I'm excited. You can probably tell I'm, I'm a little amped up. I'm thrilled because the Spirit of God wants to bring freedom to your hearts with what we'll look at from His Word today. He wants to use His Word to do it. And that's wonderful. So I, just uh, help me because I, I, I want to see it, it. In today's world, and you've, you've heard the news that's been going, it's been crazy, crazy. So who here needs to be reassured and told again uh, that Jesus loves us? unconditionally right who needs to be just uh, reconfirmed and, and encouraged that that the god of the universe is still in control and that he loves us dearly and his plan for us is is continuing and we are not left by ourselves in fact we're going to find today that not only are we uh, not left to ourselves but jesus he's he's not like around us he's not like near to us but actually for those of us that believe in jesus as our savior he is in us we're going to learn that today, and I'm excited. So uh, let's pray together. And, and let's pray not out of routine, because we pray a lot here. But let's not do it out of routine. Let's not do it just because hey, that's what you do. But let's pray expecting the God of the universe uh, to come, for his presence to be here, for him to speak into our lives. So will you bow your head? Can you, can you pray that with me? So, Father... We come before you because we are desperate to hear from you. Father, we come to you because um, you have the words of eternal life. Where else could we go? Father, we're so thrilled for the way you love us. We're so thrilled for the way you continue to pour out mercy in our lives and blessings. And our greatest blessing is this relationship we have, this union we have with Jesus. So, God, I, I, I pray that. Uh, for my brothers and sisters this morning, that they will uh, leave here understanding who they are in Christ and what a privilege that is, God. So we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So our passage today is John 15, 1 to 5. I already said, this is like my favorite passage. This is a passage that uh, 
Jesus used in my life just to, to free me, just to, to, to bring clarity to who I was as a believer, what that meant, some of the, um, what happened when I trusted him as Savior, and it freed me, and now I live in this freedom. So I, I am, I'm just really praying that God will do the same today, that through his word he can bring that freedom. So we'll read here, John 15, 1 through 5 says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So, uh, Hollis, if you can leave the first uh, three verses up on the screen, that'd be great. So Jesus here, let me explain what's going on here. Let me kind of paint the picture or the setting. Jesus had just spent time in the upper room. He had broken bread with his disciples. He had initiated the, the Last Supper as we know it, and he had washed their feet. And now he is saying, fellas, come with me. Let's go for a walk. And so they start walking, and it's late at night, and they're walking. And these are some of the last moments that Jesus will have with his disciples. These are some of the last moments he will have before he's taken by force, betrayed by Judas and taken by force and crucified on a cross. And so he has these precious, precious hours left to tell his followers, his disciples, some of the most important things that he can tell to them. And so that, uh, it, it, like, it lifts up these words a little bit. It makes it a little more uh, important that we lean in close because we know that people's last words, if they know that these are the last things they're going to say, they're going to be important. And so Jesus is walking and he heads through. And we know that on the outside of Jerusalem as they're walking, there's all these vineyards that they would have gone down a valley. They would have come through. And and most likely Jesus now is standing with his disciples in a vineyard. And these guys that have followed him for the last three years are about to hear this new invitation, this, this new way of thinking that Jesus will present to them. And so Jesus, as he always does, where he takes the, the common, a vineyard, and he comes and he starts and he uses it to show the supernatural. And so he starts this really incredible illustration to show his disciples who believe in him, who trust him, who have the relationship with him. And he wants to show them what that relationship is like. And so he grabs a vine and he lifts it up in the vineyard and he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Now listen, I am no expert on, 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 on vineyards. Okay, I, I, my wife, when we were getting ready for our honeymoon, she says, hey, let's, let's go to the Napa Valley and we can see the vineyards. And well, I just, you know, I thought, you know what? My wife probably, she's going to taste test that wine and she's going to instantly become an alcoholic. So no way. Actually, I didn't think that at all, but Myrtle Beach was just a lot cheaper. So we went to Myrtle Beach. <laughs> which was like my first mistake, and I wasn't even married yet. All right. But we did have AstroTurf in our hotel room, so it all worked out, okay? <laughs> Beautiful. Kind of see the ocean through the three buildings if you squinted. 
But it was nice. It was great. But so I missed out on my opportunity to become an expert at the vineyards because I would have had these guys explain what they are. But I do know a little bit, and, and I think that some of you should know this as well. But the truth is, is that a vineyard is nothing without a vine. Because a vine, it's the big deal in the vineyard. I don't, I don't, the, the vine is what brings the nutrients and the life to the branches, which then, from the life of the vine, the branches bear, hopefully, what? Grapes. How's, you guys know about vineyards. You know Napa Valley? Napa, any? Nope. All right. And so you know a little bit about vineyards. About as much as I do, which isn't tons. But Jesus is there in a vineyard, and he's telling the story, and he is showing... I am the true vine. Now, listen, this is what I know. Without the vine, there ain't no branches. Say that with me. Without the vine, there ain't no branches, okay? I'm smart enough to figure that. And then without branches, there ain't no grapes, all right? That's what I, I figured that out. I kind of I put that together. And so Jesus here is saying that he is the vine and that his disciples are the branches. And those of us that are reading this 2,000 years later, For those of us who know Jesus as their Savior, he is still the true vine. And we, his followers, are still his branches. But Jesus, in verse 2, says something right off the bat that's kind of alarming. In fact, he makes this distinction about branches. And he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, meaning the vine dresser, who in this story is the Father, the Heavenly Father, he takes away. And there are some who think they are true believers. Some people that, that think they know Jesus or have this relationship with Jesus, that they are in the vine, but, but they aren't. They, they think that they, they have an understanding of what it is to, to believe in Jesus. And maybe at one point they did believe, but then, then the faith escapes them quickly and, and they quickly abandon, so they never really truly believed. And Jesus makes this warning Jesus says that if there's not fruit in the life of the branch, then listen, that person doesn't know me. That person doesn't know me. And he makes a distinction. He's not talking here about uh, the fruit like, like it's work. So he's not saying, hey, if you see someone, they claim to know me, uh, they better be doing lots of works, lots of good deeds. That's not what Jesus is saying here when he's talking about fruit. In fact, Jesus talking about the outward sign of whether they have real union with Christ as if you have fruit, but the fruit is not the things you do for God or the religious showings that you have, like, like coming to church. I come to church and I, I, I do this good thing. Or, or remember that one time when, when I volunteered and listen, you can come to church like you are today. You can pray even. You can volunteer without ever having true union with the Lord Jesus. What a scary, scary thing. And so Jesus says, those, those people that claim they know me, and he's made tons of references. He talks about sheep that, that act like they know me, but they really don't. And he, he makes all these other references to people that say they know Jesus, but their lives don't show it. He's really straight here. That those who claim to know him, but don't, they get cut off. And then verse 6, I encourage you to read later. It, it will say actually that those branches will be gathered and thrown into the fire. And they'll be judged for their unbelief. But the true believer, 
the true believer will show fruit. And the true believer will start to look more and more like Jesus. How? Well, those branches that bear fruit, the Father prunes. And so look, it says, every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, the fruit he's talking about, we said it wasn't works. We said it wasn't like all these uh, good deeds that we can do to, to impress others. It's not like our own righteousness that we can, can bring. So the, the fruit that he's talking about here is the fruit of the Spirit. And about 10 Sunday school songs, I wanted to sing them. I love, joy, peace. I won't, I, won't, I won't do that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is, is the, the Christ life. It is, is the way uh, Jesus makes himself known in our lives, that, that we have joy, like genuine, real joy. Not that we do a lot of things, but that actually as a person, I start to show joy. And I have peace, like peace that, that passes understanding. So when the world crashes in like it seems like it's doing right now, I have peace. Why? Peace because of myself and my good standing and, and that I have a good lock on my door. No, but peace because I'm in union with the vine. And so the true branches that are in union with Jesus will start to show this fruit. And so Jesus says every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Thanks a lot, Jesus. That's just great. Okay, so I'm showing fruit here, and now you're going to prune me. So who, we have any gardeners? Any gardeners in the room? We've got to get hobbies, people. I want you all to... It's too hot. Like, we tried to plant some flowers, and we put them on our front deck, and, and they died because it's a desert where we live. I don't know if you knew that. But we just needed to water them a little more. But when you prune... As someone a gardener and they just didn't want to raise their hand, this makes me feel awkward. There's no gardeners in our room? I know. Thank you, Wes. I appreciate that. I know Cheryl Reeves gardens. And Cheryl would tell you that one of the things you have to do as a good gardener is that when the branch begins to overgrow, when there becomes uh, fruit on it, and we're seeing signs of fruit that it's doing what it's meant to do, which is to bear fruit, but then there's this overgrowth and this other stuff that, that's getting in the way. You actually have to cut off some of the excess growth because it is choking out the life stream that is feeding into the fruit. And so the actual branch will stop bearing fruit the way it's supposed to or to its full capacity uh, because of these other things that are distracting. And so Jesus is saying, listen, if you're bearing fruit and you are a, a true branch, great, I'm going to start cutting you. And pruning is a cutting or a cleaning of the branch. And Jesus says, my father will see the fruit and he will start cutting away those things in your life that are stealing from you. Those things that are keeping you from pressing into Jesus. He's going to start taking them away so that you start to look more and more like Jesus. See, let me tell you something really wonderful that we learn from this passage. The father in heaven is incredibly concerned about your relationship with his son. Do you realize that? He's more concerned than you are even with it. He wants so badly for you to experience the joy that is found when we have union and relationship and fellowship with Jesus that he is doing everything possible that he can to make sure that we can experience Jesus to the maximum. That the Christ life can live out of us 
in the most abundant way possible. And so he prunes, he disciplines. Some person said it like this, that all of God's kids are getting it. All of God's kids are getting. There's no one that escapes the discipline of the Lord. Not punishment. Not punishment. That's very different. See, the punishment happened when he punished his own son on the cross. So that punishment's been taken care of. The punishment for your sins and the punishment for the things you have done, that's over. This is, dis- this is discipline. It's different. It's what we do when we love our children. We continue to push them towards what is right. I don't know if you remember, there was a, a video we had back on uh, Mother's Day, and my son Benson was in it, and they asked him a question. They said, how do you know if your mom loves you, Benson? And he says, well, she gives me hugs and kisses. And then he tried to get real smart. I could tell he was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wow my mom with this one. He says, and uh, my mom, uh, she disciplines me um, to, because it's what's best for her. <laughs> And he slips and he says that on that. It is good for her. Trust me, it is good for... No. <laughs> but it's, what he meant to say was what? That it's what's best for me. And listen, there's going to be times in your life when you're realizing that you're going through discipline, not even necessarily because of uh, wrong things that you did, but just because uh, the Father is trying to conform you more and more into the image of Jesus. And you're, you're like, why, why are you doing this? And the Father's like, because I love you. Now stop complaining, you know. Consider it all joy when we encounter trials of various kinds. And the Father prunes us and disciplines us because he wants more fruit. He wants us to look more like Jesus. So here's where it gets a little heady, where you'll have to put your thinking cap on, as my second grade teacher uh, liked to remind me uh, every five minutes because mine kept falling off. And so put your thinking cap on because we're going to get into something that's, that's intellectual, I suppose, in a, in a sense. And I don't mean that to make everyone fall asleep just by saying the word intellectual. But it's going to be something that's going to take us uh, time. It's going to take us to kind of sort through. And it comes from what Jesus is about to say in verse 3 and verse 4 of this passage. And he says this in verse 3. You are already clean. He's talking to the disciples. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And Jesus makes this statement to the disciples who believe already that he is the Messiah. See, they have faith in the fact that he is the way, the truth, and the life. They, They trust that he is the good shepherd, that he is the door. That he is the resurrection and the life. They believe in the words that he had been speaking to them. And that's why they're still with him. That's why they're still with him. They have faith in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, you are already clean or righteous because you have believed the words that I said to you. Because Jesus knows in a few short hours from where he is right now, he will be hung on a cross to pay for their sins. Jesus knows even standing there looking at them, he, he knows that, that in just a few moments he will endure the wrath of his father on behalf of these disciples that are right there with him, knowing that he will feel and experience each of their mistakes, each of their rejection and rebellion against God. He'll feel it. He'll take it on himself and he will be crushed for it. Jesus knows that he's already going to accomplish that work. And Jesus knows that if he's the one that is the sacrifice, as he's the one that's paying for those sins, then he can therefore declare his disciples who believe in him, he can declare them clean and righteous because he's taken all their ugliness and filthiness, put it on himself, and then bore it on the cross. 
So he says to his disciples, you're already clean. You're already clean. With the shedding of his blood to cover their sins, he knows that they can be clean and forgiven and righteous and spotless. And listen, through grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone, that they can be made clean, that they can be saved. So I want to unpack this for you a little. Because uh, getting this concept, I I believe, is enormous. For those in the room that are, are true believers, Jesus has made you clean in the same way he made his disciples clean. Through grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. It's amazing piece of the life of the believer to understand that all my sin was laid on him. And that because of what Jesus did to pay for that on the cross, my standing now is not uh, based on my own merits, based on, on my own uh, good looks, thank the Lord, right? Not based on, on anything I could perform or do, but my standing now in front of a holy God is based on my relationship, my union with a righteous and perfect Savior named Jesus. And so listen, what it is to be in Christ is this. When the Father looks at you, He no longer sees you. He sees his son, the Lord Jesus. So when he looks at you, he sees you perfect and clean. And so that's why you have to stop thinking that he's mad at you. That's why you have to stop thinking that you you, you can't come into contact with him. Like like he's, he's waiting on you to get your act together. No, he wants you to come now. Just as you are. Because if you've uh, accepted his free gift of salvation, guess what? It was free by grace. No works. And now as you walk with him, guess what? It's still by faith, by grace, no works. He accepts you not on your own merit, but on the merit of his perfect son, the Lord Jesus. And we can rest in that. We can stand in that. Man, that the garbage of life is clean. That the garbage of sin and death and hell is taken. And instead, we get righteousness. So 2 Corinthians 5.21, if you want to, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. One of my very favorite verses because it's going to show us exactly what we mean by this union with Jesus for him being our, our righteousness. Now, if you're into big words and theology, what we're talking about here, the word is called justification. And so 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, he, that is the father, made him, that's Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He made him who who knew no sin. He was perfect. He'd never done anything. And the Father makes him sin. The Father pours all our sin on him, And then the Father judges him and, and pours out all the wrath, this holy, righteous wrath against uh, the sin we see in this world that's destroying things. And he pours it out on his son so that I don't have to bear it. And now in, instead of standing condemned, I, I stand righteous. I am righteous. I am accepted by God. He's my friend. I'm a, I'm a friend of God. Again, it's, it's not because I'm super smart, because I'm not. 
And it's not because I, I've got a ton of good things to do because I, I mess up. It's based solely on what Jesus has done. And the believer, the true branch that is in the vine is found in Christ. You see, our understanding of this concept, it, it changes everything. You, you can't read the New Testament. Once you realize that your identity, who you are, is now wrapped up in who Christ is, uh, you can't read the New Testament and not see it everywhere. You'll start to see where, where Jesus is your life, where he is now who you are. Your identity is no longer who you used to be, that person that rebelled, that person that, that was destined for hell. No, you're, you are now a son and daughter of God, cherished and loved by the beloved Father. And we see it, it explodes off the pages of the New Testament. One of my favorite verses, Galatians 2.20, I'm sure you've heard it. It says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Anyone in the room um, ever heard of a guy named Steve Green? A singer, Steve Green. Thank you, Tim. Steve Green. Well, listen, while everyone else was listening to like Madonna and Run DMC, uh, my parents had me listening to a guy named Steve Green, okay? And I lost quite a few cool points, but I'm very grateful because he taught me this song. And the, like Steve Green, let me explain. Steve Green, um, he's like, okay, he's kind of a mix between like Josh Groban and Mr. Rogers from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. He's like just so happy. About that. So he would, he would actually sing this, this way. So he, this is how I, this is how I hear the verse every time. I am crucified with Christ. Therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. That's how I, I cannot get his, yeah, thank you. I'll sell CDs in the back. But Steve Green taught me this verse as a kid, okay? And I had no real, I had no understanding of it as a kid. And then yet, as I, as I grew in my faith and understand, well, this changes everything. That when Jesus died, my old self, who I was, who, who I thought my identity was, it, it was crucified with him. And that's not who I am anymore. My whole world has changed. My whole identity has changed. And it's wrapped up now in who Jesus is. It's not me who lives anymore, but it's Jesus who lives me. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So when Jesus says, you're already clean to the disciples, it's not because they behaved. In fact, here John, who he's telling, will will run away. They'll, They'll desert him. Peter will deny him in just a matter of of ours, claiming never knew him. But it was all because of what Jesus had done that made them clean. So it's out of this understanding then um, that we are able in verse 4 of John 15, Chris, if you could put that back, that, that the um, importance and the meaning of what Jesus is saying in verse 4, our identity in Christ, now as we see what verse 4 says, it, it, it should hop off the page uh, with importance in our lives. Steve Green needs water up here. All right. It says this, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. 
So the New Living Translation that we most uh, often use here on Sunday morning says, remain in me. And I love that as, as I remain in you, Jesus says. And with this statement, Jesus calls them into something brand new. You see, up until this point, Jesus had called them to, to follow, to come, to obey. But now Jesus makes this new invitation, and it's a life-changing invitation. You see, it becomes far less about what we can do. It becomes far less about our own workings or our own disciplines or our own ability to muster up a little bit of faithfulness. And it becomes far more about who Jesus is and how, who he's already made you to be. It becomes about resting and abiding and yielding and being satisfied in Jesus. So now this command or this invitation to remain implies that they're already uh, somewhere. You're already in Christ. You're there and you just need to stay there. This is the place where you were made to be in fellowship with him. This is who you are. And so when you act outside of that, when you sin, when you uh, take selfishness or, or you start dabbling into impurity or you, you go over here into whatever else kind of selfishness that you explore now, that you're acting outside of who you are. You see, when we sin as believers, we are being someone we're not. That's not who we are anymore. Our identity is in Christ. Perfect forgiven, made holy, made righteous. The next verse is, is similar, verse 5, and it makes it even more clear. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Jesus says to his disciples, fellas, uh, you can't do this. Like what I'm asking you to do, just for your information, you can't do this. So they're like, what? 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 But he's like, but I can. I can do it. He's like, you can't live the Christ life, but guess what? I'm Christ and I live in you. And I'm going to live the Christ life for you. See, have you, ever, have you ever met people that um, when you, they're like, maybe you're this person, and I should be careful. But they, if you tell them they can't do something, like all their energy now is consumed with proving you wrong. In fact, like the, you feel like their whole motivation in life has become, that guy said I couldn't, so I'm going to. You've had these conversations when there's like, you know, people, sometimes it's ridiculous. People are like, you saying that I can't uh, break this brick with my head? No, sir, that, that is not, I can do it. I will do it. No, please don't. You know, there's, there's just this, you tell someone they can't do something. And for a lot of people, there's this opposite reaction where oh, it, it makes you cringe and, and, and your pride bristles and, and you want to say, yeah, I can. Watch me. And then you hurt yourself. You know? But Jesus is here saying, you can't do it. And listen, he's not saying this to rub our nose in it. He's not saying this to say, hey, ha, 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 you can't, you can't do it. No, he's, he's saying it for our freedom. Saying, listen, you can't do it, but, but I never expected you to do it. I'll do it. I've done it. What a freedom it is that 
we realize that this relationship we have with Jesus is no longer about trying to impress him with all our good deeds or, or this stuff we can do for him. But this relationship with Jesus is far more about just resting in him and loving him and enjoying him. I meet uh, so many believers. In fact, this this past week, I got to go up to a high school camp in Minnesota and uh, had the opportunity to talk to lots of different high schoolers and, and had the opportunity to talk through some of their frustrations. And uh, some of them are, are so frustrated. I, I talk to believers everywhere that I go that are frustrated and, and they, they don't want it. They say, I can't do it. I, I can't stay pure. I, I can't find joy. I can't do this or I can't earn this or I can't prove that. And Jesus is saying here, I, I know. I know. Your life is hidden in me. And I'm your new identity and I can do it. And Jesus is saying as we yield ourselves to him, as we surrender in faith, as we spend time with him, as we abide in him, we're going to start looking like him. Not because we're great, but because he's great. And as we start letting go of control and as we start letting go of this, I got to do it myself. We start surrendering and laying that down and instead saying, Jesus, I can't, I can't do this. I'm sure thankful you can. And we start li- letting the Christ live through us. We start letting Jesus live through us. All of a sudden you come into contact with people and they are like, who is this guy? I don't know what he has, but I need it. And before you know it, you have this opportunity to say, listen, I, there's nothing good in me. I can promise you But listen, who lives in me? His name is Jesus. And you need him. See, there's so much freedom when we recognize who we are and recognize that uh, there's joy waiting for us when we rest in Jesus. And I, I want that. Verse 11, he'll go on to say, I tell you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. See, Jesus doesn't want to ruin your life. He doesn't want to take away fun things. He doesn't want to discourage you. He wants to tell you, listen, follow me. I'm the only way for true satisfaction. I'm the only way for true life. Hitch on, baby. Here we go. And we're going for a ride. I promise you, you tag along with Jesus. You latch onto Jesus. Your life will not be boring. Your life will not be boring. Brothers and sisters, I long for you to know the freedom that there is found in abiding and resting in Christ. We have to take it seriously. We have to protect it. Uh, so much more to say. Um, but I wanted to end uh, today with, with a, a story. And it's a story that um, just kept coming up as I was preparing the message today. And uh, just didn't know. I didn't. I was like, Lord, I don't want to tell that. that um, and he just kept bringing it back and, and realized about halfway through the week, that this was, this was just an illustration that the Lord wanted me to use to, um, to, to teach us what it is to abide in Him, what that might look like. Um, so my wife Abby and I, for the last two years, I guess, before we moved here, we had two little boys that lived with us. Our names were Tayton and Trenton, and uh, we got them when they were just really little, I think uh, two and three were their ages when we got them. 
And uh, so off and on, but the majority of the last two years before we came here, they, they lived with us. And so they had become um, part of our family. You know, they, they had really been adopted into the, the Leverance household. And uh, so they would come. I still remember sometimes they would come and uh, we would just experience the, the weight that they were feeling in their other world uh, where they were. They, they needed, their mom needed a little help. And so we would, we would take them. And, and sometimes, though, they would come in and uh, they would be hurting because of experiences they had in the world out here. And it was so uh, wonderful, uh, exhausting, painful, sor- sorrowful, and joyful to embrace these little boys and, and all the baggage that they brought and, and to try to bring them hope and, and try to bring them um, stability and, and try to show them the love of Jesus. And I remember... Uh, Tayton, when he was five years, he's six now, when he was five years old, sitting around our table and him accepting Jesus as a savior right there at our kitchen table. We've been, we've been praying like crazy for, for a, a year, really. And to watch the, the fruit of um, what Jesus could do in this little boy's life and then watch the change as it was obvious that his faith was real. And, and uh, so one of the, the real uh, heartaches in December, we were offered the the job down here, and we knew that the Lord was leading us here. He just made it painfully obvious, and yet there was these two little boys that uh, we were battling. Uh, we knew they weren't our own, but they were our own, if you, you know what I mean. And uh, we knew God was calling us away from their lives, and that meant leaving these two boys. And uh, we didn't know how to cope with that. I, I just kind of ignored and shut down. Um, and I just remember the, the wrestling with God of having to let them go. I say, okay, Lord, I, I, I entrust them into your hands. Um, I, can, I can no longer control. I, I never could control anything anyways, Lord, but I, I give them to you. And I remember the pain that was uh, associated with that. And I, I'll just tell you, and this isn't even the point of the story, but I will tell you that um, when, when there's abiding in Christ, and by God's grace, there's times in my life when I, when I abide in Christ and the fruit of the Spirit comes out of me, you will experience some of the most sorrowful, I can't even say that word, some of the hardest uh, things in life. Here's what's crazy. You'll experience this pain, and at the same time, you'll be experiencing this joy. Like, I don't even know how to describe it to you uh, other than uh, it can only be because of Jesus. But there'll be things in your life that you encounter that there's no way you would have handled before, and yet now because of your union and abiding in Christ, all of a sudden there's joy in the sorrow. And so that's what it was for us as we uh, left these two little boys to come here and entrusted them into the Lord's hand. Well, uh, we were headed back up to camp. I had part of a camp, uh, summer camp for high schoolers. And we um, had said, you know what, we, we're not going to bring the boys with us up in Minnesota. We were going to stop in and get them, but we just thought it's just too painful. It's just too much. And so that was our plan. We had decided we're not, we're not supposed to because... Our focus is supposed to be on these high schoolers. Um, and then God, like he seems like he always does, he prunes us. Uh, he said, no way. And so we made circumstances happen. And then the mom actually calls us and, and says, hey, can you take these boys out of the blue? And so we said, no, I guess that means they're supposed to come with us. And so we brought them up to camp with us. So Abby basically chasing around seven kids. And I'm um, with the high schoolers. And I'd come and we'd spend time with them. And yet there was this amazing, like, no time had passed kind of thing. Um, and just loving on these boys and giving them uh, time and, and, and loving them like they're our own kids. 
And you just watch the behavior switch and change, and it's just so uh, rewarding. But then the end of the week came really quick. And so we, we drove to Wisconsin, and it was, uh, it was time to let him go. And all the stuff that I had not dealt with um, when we had left initially, uh, the Lord decided now was the time. Thanks. Thank you, Lord. Uh, and uh, Tayton gets out of the car, and he's not crying. He's not throwing a fit. He just doesn't say anything, but he crawls up on me and he, he puts his head and buries his head right here and he squeezes me with his, hand, his arms and his legs and he won't let go. Uh, and he, like I said, he's not, he's not saying anything. Um, but I know, I know what he's doing and I know what he's thinking. And he's thinking, listen, I, I don't, I'm not quite ready to go back to that life. I'm not quite ready to face what I'm about to face, but I want, I want to stay here with you, Benji. I want, I want to be right where you are because I know, I know where, when I'm with you, Benji, I, when I'm with you, there's joy. When I, there's some peace. There's some normalcy. I can make it. Um, I'm, not, I'm not ready to go back. And so I just remember as I'm having a, a breakdown, I'm, I, I'm just uh, handing him over and I'm praying, Lord, he, he's yours. I entrust him to you. And, and uh, we sent him on his way. And as I was um, working through why the Lord kept bringing up this story for me to share this morning, uh, the reason is, is because when it comes to abiding in Christ, I want to be like Tayton. Because this world that we live in, it, it's too much. It's too painful. I, I can't, like, I can't do it. So instead, I, I want to go to Jesus and I want to take my face and I want to, I want to plant it in his chest and I want to hold on with my arms and say, Jesus, I, I can't, I can't do it. But I want to stay with you because there's joy and there's peace and there's health with you. I want to remain with you. Brothers and sisters, that, that's my uh, heart's cry for you this morning, that, that you would understand who we are who we've been made to be and understand that uh, to remain, to abide, to love the Lord Jesus is, is joy. It's life. It's what life's all about. Let's pray. Father, you're good to us. Uh, your grace is undeserved. You know that. And yet you continue to pour it out. You continue to uh, just... Uh, Impress me with the, the way that you love me despite how I make mistakes and yet I know that my identity now is, is wrapped up in who you are. I'm no longer a, a slave. I'm no longer a sinner. I am now a, a child of the Most High God and, and deeply, deeply loved. So thank you, Jesus. Um, I pray for my brothers and sisters that they would understand the freedom that comes from abiding and knowing Jesus. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.